Welcome to Light Treason News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today by Narrative. Why, hello. Happy Friday. Oh, my God. Yeah, the weekdays mean nothing to me anymore since I am work from home and time is meaningless. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. I admit I would have no idea what day it was that there was a holiday this weekend, that all of it, if I didn't have other reasons to be concerned about the passage of time right, right. now. Yes. <laughs> I guess we should say happy birthday, Meredith. Yay! It is uh it is Saturday, July 2nd. Yes. Uh I was born the day that they uh ratified the uh, Declaration of Independence. Okay, you, brag. For those, for those uh, 1776 nerds, and of course I mean the movie version of the musical starring Mr. Feeney. Um, yes, Meredith, I did I <laughs> absolutely don't want to one-up you on your own birthday, but do you know that I am a daughter of the American Revolution? Uh, I did not know this, but okay. it's no wonder you are such a total boss. Thank you. That's what I was looking for to turn your birthday into a day about me. So thank you so much. Yes. Uh, But also it's a big one. I am turning 40. I have not shriveled into one of those little, little mermaid sea slugs. You haven't. In fact, you're one could argue you're thriving. You are more vibrant than ever, et cetera, et cetera. I have to get my fucking act together and we need to like go on a big trip because we do. I turn 40 uh, in March and I'm like, oh, we got I like we're the two worst people to plan something like this because like we talk a big game. And then, uh, but I'm going to get my shit together. Yeah. It will happen. Yeah. Basically, the first moment there is a snag or a problem in the, like, a question that needs answering there is something more than uh, yes, no, everything falls apart. Uh, Absolutely. I I will cave uh, the slightest inconvenience. Yeah. But I, this is my goal in uh, the coming year. But so... I obviously I don't want to steer away from the topic of your birthday, but I just had like a horrifically awkward encounter with one of my neighbors. <laughs> That's okay. Just because it is all about me doesn't mean we don't still want to hear your stories. Sure, 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 sure. And we have like, listen, we got a lot of heavy shit we're going to talk about, but we're also going to talk about dumb pop culture stuff because we got to balance things, you know, because shit's so heavy that I I can't talk about that the entire hour. But so I'm kind of sympathetic about what happened with my neighbor because I've been in her situation before. But because I was on the other side of it, I'm like, well, now I hate you forever. So (laughs) I got a package delivered and I went downstairs to get it. And she was like right in front of me on the steps. Like she had just come down a few seconds before me and Mm -hmm. didn't see me. So she did not know I was right behind her. And my package was on top of her package in the lobby. And again, she does not see me. She picks up my package, sees it's not her name, and throws it across the room. Ooh. And then saw me, and I, like, walked over to it. It was the only other package, so I knew it was mine. And I picked it (laughs) up, and she just was, like, Now, I've never, like, thrown somebody's package, but I've definitely, like, put it down a little aggressively just because, like, you're tired. It's not yours. You're not thinking, you know? But I could tell she was like, 
this is the memory now that you will link to me forever. Every time you see me, (laughs) every time I need you to hold the door for me in the lobby, I'm now the woman who threw your package. And I was like, yes, you are. Absolutely. I also think she's my upstairs neighbor who is like a fucking rhinoceros, this woman, the way she stampedes around. So now I'm like, I hate you for two reasons. And I don't know if we can come back from this. Oh, that's a really tough one. It's one thing to be the loud neighbor and the yeah. neighbor who creates, who who commits a, a package-related Oof. faux pas, but to be yeah. both. Both, right. Yeah, and like, she I, really, like, she, yeah. When I heard she her going up the like, steps. a cookies or a cake or something. Oh, yeah. this woman's not going to give me cookies. I don't know what I did to her, but I was like, ooh, she, I could tell she does not like me. But, like, I the way... I heard her going up the steps and I was like, I bet she's my upstairs neighbor. And like, I think I heard her go into the apartment. I was like, my God, two massive strikes against this woman. So I'm like, I don't know if we have one more. I'm going to be like, I'm I'm not going to do shit. Let's be honest. But I'll just like resent her quietly forever. Right. But, you know, that's a that's a long list that's impossible to get off of. So people should really do their best not to get on it. Yeah, but I've def like I said, I've definitely been in her shoes too, where I'm like, oh, I would that's so classic me behavior to see it reflected in somebody else. I was like, wow, that sucks. The timing of that was insane. But I'm like, I've definitely been in that situation too. But anyway, so that happened immediately before recording. Oh my um, God. But now that we're in the pop culture section, so there's two big things I wanted to talk about. And please, if you have anything on your plate as well, let me know. Absolutely. I, one's kind of heavy, very heavy. And the other is like just something that's like stuck in my craw this week. So I guess let's start with the light one, which is the near constant deluge of leaked photos from the set of Barbie. Which I, I, you know, I hear from you about this every day, every time it happens. Absolutely. Every day. And like multiple times a day, obviously things kicked off with Ryan Gosling as Ken, which I am still just baffled by that casting decision. I believe in Greta and I believe it will make sense ultimately. And I do like Ryan Gosling. I was just very confused by it. Um, Margot made sense. I was like, yep. That's Barbie. But uh, yeah, so I'm very curious to see (laughs) how Ken is portrayed in this movie. But I'm just like confused about this and it's sticking in my craw a little bit because I feel like at this point I have seen this movie. Uh, Yeah, which you have said. And yet I still have no idea what's going to happen. Sure. I, you know, what the context of them rollerblading around is. Like, I don't know, but... I really want it to be an homage to Sarah Jessica Parker's character in L.A. Story. Oh, okay. Interesting. She wears a similar outfit to Barbie. Yeah. In like much of the film. Uh, So I have and is on rollerblades at one point. Okay. I feel like Greta's probably not trying to do quite that. Sure. But we can one can hope. Um, Look, it could be anything as long as it's somewhat deranged, it'll be right for the current moment. You know what I mean? Part of the reason it's bothering me is like, A, I think part of the joy of seeing the film will be the bright colors and the costuming choices, which we're seeing all of that right now. Yeah. Um, And also like, it's a Greta film, so it's going to have a feminist tilt. Like we, we saw a leaked scene through these like pap photos 
of a guy like pinching her ass and and Barbie like decks him in the face. And it's like, okay, so it's going to be like that, you know? But my question is, and this is like, I guess kind of a boring industry angle, but I'm just so curious. Like, there's a theory that this is deliberate, that Greta knows that there are photographers taking a lot of photos and it's like good buzz for the movie. But I'm also like, you are giving away so much of this movie in like so far ahead of the release that to me, part of the surprise would be like seeing those costumes for the first time. I mean, I suppose so, but I also think that since they're working with such a, let's go with problematic IP, right? (laughs) To, and because we've seen things like we've seen stuff work when it has like a new take on, um, you know, on something existing, you know, little women, little women, she did that. Yeah. 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 Well, or, you know, to go back before like pre Greta, like Josie and the Pussycats, Brady Bunch, like, you know, this winking meta thing, like Mm -hmm. maybe they're just doing it because they need people to, they're just afraid that people won't care or they'll be furious about it because because it exists. like Like, I don't know. Who gives a shit about Barbies except for people that are like, I don't know, the kind of people that end up getting portrayed on SVU as like doll obsessed child molesters. I don't think anybody cared about Barbie. I think people cared about Greta's take on Barbie. And like Margot. I don't really care about Greta's take on Barbie. You know what I mean? Like I like there were so many people who did like people were really jazzed to see like I know that you and I didn't give a shit and we were like a little like, oh, whatever. We'll see it. But but like she has a hardcore fan base who like was really excited that she was gonna put her spin on it and then like I remember the casting announcements were being made and people were really jazzed not just like film twitter but like you know younger people too who like I don't know I think people just really trusted Greta with the source material for it not to be like a dumb Barbie movie you know yeah, I mean, I guess I can see that. I still read a lot into, it's like, okay, somebody, like, it's just so obvious. It, it just felt like such an obvious move to the, right. let's take somebody who's had indie success and then and um, a feminist. give them a large franchise that we yeah. haven't been, that we want very much to capitalize on, but no, will be toxic if we don't do, a, you know, if we don't find a way around this. <laughs> right. um, and I think, you know, I still like, I'm just very curious. Oh my God, Rosie, please don't lick my toes. Um, (laughs) By the way, for any new listeners, um, (laughs) Meredith has a dog named Rosie. Okay, continue. Anyway, uh, yes, the, I just have a hard time. Like, I just still don't know that I think it's going to be actually subversive versus (laughs) like, they're telling they're doing all of this and they're telling us it's subversive because actually they don't have a clue what the fuck they're doing. My fear would be kind of in a similar vein that it'll be like Marvel's take on feminism. Do you know what I mean? Like the end of uh Endgame where it's like, here's a bunch of women that we never really developed as characters, but they're all here and they're together. And doesn't that kick ass? And you know, everybody every woman in the audience is like rolling their eyes, like I guess. I mean yeah. Sure. Like when the Russo brothers were like, we have our first gay character ever. And it was literally one of the Russos in one scene in a meeting, not a superhero being like, I went out to dinner with my boyfriend. And they were like, eh, progressive, (laughs) right? And everyone was like, are you joking? I'm a little afraid it's going to be like in that vein where it's like, 
it's supposed to be woke, but it, how woke is it going to be? And like, or will it be woke in a cringy way? That's a very fine line to walk, you know? Right. And so there's just a, I'm, I'm curious. I need more information. Yeah. Unfortunately, what I'm getting from the constant leaks is just, it kind of makes me feel like I'm, a character in Southland Tales, you mm-hmm. know? Like- mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I would be anyway. curious to know, like, yeah, because people were like, well, she can't do anything. It's like, no, she absolutely could close the set. Directors do that all the time when they don't want shit. Li- Marvel does that all the time. Yeah. Well, and they can, I mean, the those photographers are close. Like, Very close. There well, are that's plenty, why I'm, you I'm know? almost wondering, I'm like, is Greta asking them to do this? Like, because also, mind you, it takes Greta like seven years to make a film because sexism in Hollywood. So part of me is wondering too, she's like, she wants to generate buzz, which I would understand as well. I almost have to believe like that is the strategy because I'm so confused by the constant leaks. I, you know, I am in, I live in awe of your optimism (laughs) when these, when some of these things are concerned, like you give the benefit of the doubt, even, you know, to, uh, to studio backed projects sometimes that I just do not understand, you know, and that's okay. In what sense? What, when do you, what do you think I'm being too optimistic about? I mean, I think the fact that you're like, you actually have bought the line that they sold that like, because Greta is doing it, it's going like it, you trust that it will be what they say it's going to be. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if it'll be good, but I do trust that Greta thought she had a smart feminist take on it. Absolutely. Otherwise, I don't think she would have touched it. Fair. Okay. That's, that's fair. Yeah. Um, But I I don't know if she'll be successful, obviously, because I've, I've I've not seen a script or anything like that, but like knowing what I know about her, I would never claim to like know who she is as a person, but like what I'm basing it on having seen interviews of hers and stuff and her other work, like I know she considers herself to be a feminist. So I'm like, I don't think she would have touched this otherwise. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I just have gotten to the point where I, sometimes I think even really good, really awesome people end up making these deals with the devil because it's been taking them so long to get their work done. Like there were things. Yeah. Made. I mean, so, I, th- I think you, know. you could argue that, that her deal with the devil was Barbie IP, but probably See, that's how I read it. You know but, what but, I mean? But also that like, I don't know, like Greta's deal with the devil is not like, you know, somebody else's deal with the devil. I think she would still sort of be like, I'll do this. I will make a film based on Barbie IP, but we're going to do the woke version of it. Yeah. Because even like Barbie, like Mattel has tried to be more woke with Barbie recently. uh, Yeah. But I mean, putting out two female candidate Barbies in 2016. (laughs) Who are still like size zero. (laughs) I mean, I'm sorry. Like (laughs) fat dolls is not going to solve this problem. Like, (laughs) Oh yeah. No, like anytime they try to fix it, it's like a fucking disaster. And it's like, yeah, because like at its core, Barbie is evil and bad. Yeah. Um, And you can't fix that even if you have fat Barbie. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, Um, so let's get to the next thing because I'm curious. Oh my God. So Ezra, Ezra Miller, I want to talk about because like. Yeah, that's the other thing that has been eating up chunks of our day. I know. I like I use Twitter now to see where Ezra Miller is in the world because they're on the lamb, I guess. Um, 
And there was a false report, it turned out the other day, that I wanted it to be real so badly. I was walking home from the museum. No big deal. I go to the museum. I'm very cultured. And Meredith texted me and was like, oh, my God, and linked me to this story that I guess TMZ first broke. And believe it or not, it turned out not to be true um, about how Ezra Miller allegedly was in Tokyo at a club and got into a fist fight with another actor and they reported that the other actor was Austin Butler and I lost my goddamn mind. (laughs) I was so excited because I was like, oh my God, two of the most prolific twinks of the moment um, got into a public brawl. Hilarious. Warner Brothers must be losing their fucking minds because these are their two like biggest stars. And then it turned out uh, not to be true, unfortunately. I don't know if it wasn't true that Ezra got into a fist fight in Tokyo, but Austin Butler's people were like, hard no, that did not happen. I mean, I think that it, it Elvis is a mess, but... It's one it of the does, things I want to talk about, yeah, actually. It has yeah. also ra- raised his profile enormously, and I think it's going to be very, very good for his career. Obviously, his team is going to do everything in their power right. to make sure that he is kept as far away from altercations with Ezra Miller as humanly possible. I mean, he could give himself a big boost by just um, not cheating on his girlfriends constantly. That would probably help his public perception a lot yeah i think that's true but like when you compare him to ezra miller who's on a full-blown rampage right now and the reason i wanted to talk about it is i texted you and i was like can you imagine just having unlimited funds and fame and no one tells you to stop like i sort of feel like ezra miller at this point you know like it's kind of fucked because anytime you talk about them people are like constantly misgendering them. And it it sucks because like a lot of conservatives are sort of using them as an example of like, you know, counterculture run amok basically where it's like, Oh, first you have to use they, them pronouns. And then they terrorize entire communities. And it's like, no, 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 no. Ezra Miller is like clearly going through something right now and should be stopped. Absolutely. But it has nothing to do with people you know, uh, being gender queer or anything like that. No, the the problem with Ezra Miller isn't their pronouns or their, you know, uh, participation in activist movements or, you know, even a certain amount of bad behavior on set, because let's face it, celebrities. The problem right. with Ezra Miller is apparently they're like, quasi kidnapping teenagers and maybe uh, running a cult. It seems like a cult of personality at the very least, you know, has a farm upstate that might be an illegal marijuana cultivation operation and has a bunch of guns. That's the thing. When I read about like that, they were growing pot illegally. I was like, whatever. And then they were like, and there's also a dick ton of guns. I was like, Oh, that that's scary. That seems like, and yeah. there are small children present yeah. on, on it's the creepy. Farm. It's a lot of it's bad. It's very bad. Um, but another example of like privilege, right? Because it's like if you were not a huge actor for Warner Brothers in this like superhero franchise in which you are a major part, like the Flash is a huge character, you would have been stopped 
ages ago. Like this goes back to remember we were talking about Iceland, how Mm -hmm. the entry in his Wikipedia page vanished where he had strangled a woman. Uh, Yes. And there were and those reports. I don't want to misgender. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, it just disappeared, uh, the Snyder Cut, etc. Yeah, and yeah. then you get Hawaii and uh, Tokyo. I fully believe that they probably were on a rampage in Tokyo, taunting law enforcement officials on social media before just disappearing at the same time as, like, multiple people take out restraining orders against them. Uh, something is very, very wrong and I did you send me a thing or did I send it to you? I read a blind item that cited, you know, somebody overheard a studio executive making a comment. Oh, you that the sent only it to me. Can, yeah. The yeah. only way they can save their investment is if the star of the movie dies Ugh, somehow. I know that's so dark, and but like, I was like, that's the darkest thing I've ever heard. But, they've but I absolutely, would a thousand percent believe that Warner Brothers would yes, think that. <laughs> they've absolutely had that meeting. They've absolutely had several meetings where they're like, how do we save the Flash? Do we recast it? Yeah, absolutely. I think at this point, they're just going to put out the movie and like hope enough fanboys go to see it and it will be fanboys who carry that <laughs> if, it, if they, it does come yeah. out. Um, Although think like given where we're at in the world, hoping that a bunch of DC super fans make something appear like create a Johnny Depp like fever like dream of support for this movie just be out of a sense of loyalty rather than you know that completely ignores and in fact celebrates all the bad behavior. That's just grim. I know. And I also don't think it'll work because unfortunately I feel like Ezra is too queer to like rally the fanboys like that. Honestly, that's how I feel like. Well, I think that like they would need to rely on somebody who's like me, who doesn't really care about uh, any superhero stuff, but who did find them immensely charming. Right. When I finally did watch the Snyder Justice League movies. I I think Ezra does a great job as a Flash, and I used to really like Ezra Miller until they completely went off the rails. But, like, you know, I I know, like, obviously this is not an original thought, and a lot of people have made this point online, but to compare the reaction to what happened with Will Smith and Chris Rock and this, it's like, uh, you know, like, people wanted Will Smith arrested, which... I did not agree with, but like people were fucking furious. And this is a little more like there's like a freak show aspect to it where it's like, where in the world is Ezra Miller, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, But for sure, the reaction would be different if he or they were a black person. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, And yeah. And of course, you've even seen that, you know, after the road decision last week, there were people making jokes on Twitter about how, you know, we should let Ezra Miller out of the van at the Supreme Court and see what happens. Listen, are some of the jokes very good? Yes. That, that, and that is kind of part of the appeal because like, I like, I'm so torn because, you know, I feel really bad for the kids who are involved and like, I, I imagine there's a lot of even darker shit we haven't heard about yet. But in the meantime, there is like this, yeah, the freak show aspect of it where it's just like, you can't believe it's fucking happening because like it's it's hard to empathize with somebody who, as I said, 
has limitless funds and fame and can do whatever the fuck they want. There is sort of this like escapist appeal where it's like, wow, they still haven't stopped Ezra Miller. That's wild. Like I'll just occasionally text you throughout the day and I'm like, where's Ezra Miller? Like nobody (laughs) fucking knows. Like when I heard they were in Tokyo, I was like, oh, okay, I guess they're in Tokyo now. I know. And my first reaction was, God, will the Yakuza get involved? Oh my God. Like, Like, could it? uh, Yeah, that would be the third act, right? Like Uh, now the Yakuza is here. Absolutely. That is how this ends. Um, So we'll keep you guys updated on Ezra Miller. I know you're dying. I know that's why you like listen to this uh, podcast for Ezra Miller updates. But since you brought it up, Meredith, did you get to see Elvis? Uh, No, I've only been keeping track of it through my friends who have seen it. Just telling me about their experiences. I've been kind of busy feeling terrible about the world and sure. it's made it difficult to get to see films. <laughs> sure. Um, I, I got some of that feedback when I tweeted that I had seen Elvis with my elderly parents who I don't get to see that often. And someone yelled at me because um, apparently, cause I tweeted about Elvis. I don't care about Roe v. Wade. So sorry about that. Sorry. I stopped caring about reproductive rights to see a movie. With uh, my I mean, parents. it's the, yeah, you, you should, know, you know, luckily you were able to make the choice to go see that movie with your parents and without your, their permission, because you are currently unmarried and it's questionable whether you're allowed to make choices like which movie tickets to buy. Well, my dad, who is because I'm not married, um, the the male I consult with when making decisions and he said we should go see it. So I was like, OK, um, so I am keeping with Supreme Court uh, mandates, but. Elvis, man. Okay, so I don't want to talk about it too long because you didn't see it. But, like, you know the gist of it. Like, you saw the preview, therefore you saw the film, you know? Absolutely. And I've seen... You know Boz, so it's like... Yeah. yeah. And I've seen almost everything, but I'm like... You know, I've been a fan of Boz since I was a child. Of course. You know? And he's, you know, we love love Boz. We love his maximalist approach. Like, uh, when I... We first heard about this film. I was very excited. I was texting you saying, like, this is the perfect marriage. Like, if if they're going to do Elvis, Boz Lerman should do it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was happy to see that Boz is, like, aware of the fact that Elvis stole all of his music from Black people. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> put that in the film. And, like, even if it was in a very, like, montage like, we barely meet these Black characters way you know it like it's acknowledged right which is already like worlds ahead of other biopics of this nature but you completely summarized it perfectly before it's a mess it's a fucking mess austin butler listen so like one of the things that they're talking him up so much about was that he sang the songs and then you watch the credits and he absolutely did not sing all of the songs. <laughs> he sang, he sings young Elvis, which he does really well. And I think he, the accent's good. He looks great, all that stuff. But then when he's older, they needed to get somebody, they just used Elvis, his voice, mm-hmm. and he is lip syncing because he can't do old Elvis. And I was like, I get why they did that. But if that's going to be a huge part of the reason you're talking up this performance, he better sing every single one of these songs and he does not. So I was like, all right. And then I'm sorry. If you're a reviewer telling me you saw this film, this extremely long film, and it feels very long, and you could focus on anything other than whatever the fuck Tom Hanks is doing, you're a liar. 
you're an absolute liar. Anytime he spoke, I laughed. Even when it was supposed to be a very dramatic scene and the culmination of storytelling at the end of the film, I was laughing because he is like full cartoon character. And then I was like, well, he must be doing an accurate representation of the colonel's accent. And then all of these people who knew Colonel Parker came out and were like, he sounded nothing like that. I was like, I don't understand why he was in this film and he was doing what he was doing. He was distracting. He was distracting and he was bad. He was bad, capital B. And I just, you know, I can't, I don't want to, I don't want to feel that like pulled out like that if I'm going to be watching a Boz movie. Like I need... If you're going to have that kind of character, it needs to like you need to be able like to get on the level of John Leguizamo in Moulin Rouge. Like that is the pinnacle of weird accented guy. Yeah, <laughs> as and like a part I think in these films. I honestly think Boz does the best when it's like there's barely a storyline. You know, mm-hmm. like Romeo and Juliet, like as much as like English lit majors want to talk up the the layers of that story, at its core, it's a very simple story. And Boz could handle it. And Boz could handle Moulin Rouge because it's essentially Romeo and Juliet, right? Like he, if the story is really simple and he can just go full balls to the wall visual effects, he's great. It's a super fun time. Um, but I mean, this story involves racism in America appropriation, a very, very problematic relationship between a 14-year-old girl and a full-grown man that is, like, barely addressed, the dynamics there. And Boz is just, like, not up to the task. You know, like, doesn't even want to really get into it. Yeah, which is unfortunate because it would... I'm always interested in people that have a visual aesthetic and a visual sensibility that is like Boz's, I want to see them use that to not not even necessarily tackle, but at least like tinge stuff that's more disturbing, you know, like use the brightness uh, that, you know, to, to expose the, the darkness. God, that was an incredible. And I guess he kind of tries. He kind of uh, tries, yeah. but like he, I can tell he never saw wa- Walk Hard, you know, because like if you've seen Walk Hard, which is the best music biopic ever made because it is ever a made. Full, full satire of every music biopic ever made, like line by line, almost directly what happens in Walk Hard happens in Elvis. <laughs> and it's so it's so funny if you've seen, and like also that was just Elvis's life and walk hard was, you know, in part based on Elvis's life. So like, I understand why there are similarities, but it's so cliche the way it unfolds in Elvis. Like, even though that did happen to Elvis, I feel like there was maybe a more creative way to come at it or not dwell on certain aspects. I don't know, but it, it's very cliched the way everything happens. But having said all of this, I need like another category when I feel the way I feel about Elvis, because like, I guess I would call it a very, very, very light recommendation, if Mm -hmm. only for the live music scenes, because that's when Boz gets to go full Boz and it's just Mm -hmm. Austin Butler. 
embracing the physicality of Elvis and the costumes are gorgeous. You do have to ignore how uh, Elvis's lady fans are treated in this film because they are like full carnal hysterical animals, which I know women got very excited when they saw Elvis, but the way Boz portrays them is like embarrassing, you know, Mm -hmm. like a a little too much. And it's like, okay, we get it. We get it that they wanted to fuck Elvis, but like how many close-ups do I need of women reaching towards his crotch? You know, like I get it. I get it. Um, so he dwells a little too much on shit like that, but there's like a really interesting scene with a segregated audience who like, you know, when they're dancing, like push down like the barriers and stuff and Elvis is arrested and like, it's like a very chaotic, well done scene. So like, if only for the live music moments, I would very, very, very lightly recommend it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, the, what you said just now reminded me of a very old feature from like the, the bright, good years of um the av club the my year of flops series okay. where you could have a flop or a fiasco and it's oh, re- and fiascos okay. were a, somewhat lightly recommended because they were disasters total messes but there was something compelling about them that made them oh, worth seeking okay. out can i steal and, that yeah yeah absolutely okay <laughs> thank and you for I telling me i could you. steal it uh, also, right. I will send it to you. Oh, and you're supposed to steal it because uh, the person who wrote that series was kind of a gross weirdo. So oh, great. <laughs> oh, good. I'm stealing it from them. Fuck them. Um, yeah. So from now on, they'll they'll be anti-rec, rec, and for when we're sort of lost in between and there are aspects you want to recommend, but God, there's a lot that you can't recommend. Fiasco. It's a fiasco. So if you're up for like a good old fashioned boss fiasco, if you saw Australia and you were like, okay, I can kind of get behind it. Uh, Elvis is for you. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Um, so two horror films. One, I, I guess like I both strongly recommend uh, uh, both of these films, but uh, Watcher and the Black Phone I saw recently. Yeah. And the black phone I haven't gotten to yet because yes. movies in the theater, like it's come on. Uh, but I did see watcher yes. and I was texting you the whole time. I loved it. It was <laughs> so good it. to me. This is a great example of a horror film using a feminist lens very successfully in a way that is not cringe, which is, way more difficult to do than you would think. Um, but I really enjoyed Watcher. It's it's such a mood. Like, it's a very, very moody film. And But I, I've just really been enjoying watching um, Micah Monroe seize her throne as Scream Queen. You know, like, between this and It Follows. Like, she is so good and compelling in this type of film. Yeah, I mean, aside from someone, I, I feel like the only other person who's carved out interesting role, like a niche, and if like that's really fascinating, aside from Mike Monroe, is Mia Goth. Yeah, and it's a yeah. she brings a very very different energy to the stuff that she does. But you know, and also don't forget the guest, all time classic. <laughs> right, right. Uh, you know, she's a she has a great energy. She's charming. She is 
perfect as someone who is in a, you know, the story is a woman moves to Bucharest with her husband and he speaks Romanian because his mother was Romanian. He's got a job. She's trying to learn the language, but feels isolated and confused. There are lots of wonderful scenes where people are having conversations around her in Romanian and she doesn't understand what they're saying. Um, and they don't and subtitle, in, you know, which I love. Right. Like I, that it's, would have just absolutely killed it. But the fact that they don't subtitle it is so you're just like frustrated with her, you know? Exactly. Which, and I thought she plays that really well. Also, you know, she, so she finds herself suddenly thinking there seems to be a man in the apartment building across the street, staring into her apartment all the time. <laughs> and then things get, terrifying really terrifying such a simple story and it's you know obviously it's been done a million times over the past 50 60 years but when you do it well and you have a smart director a smart writer and a solid cast and this cast is great even though the only two people you might recognize are burn gorman from game of thrones pacific rim torchwood a bunch of other shit and Mike and Monroe, like, you're just in for a great treat. <laughs> yeah, just the two of them interacting. I was like, this is so good. Um, I just Googled. I was trying to think of, like, other Scream Queens who are, like, up and coming. Jenna Ortega. Do you know how old Jenna Ortega is? Isn't she, like, 20? She's 19. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm like, I, I honestly thought she, like she was older, but so that's um, devastating. But she is so good as well. I really think like people don't appreciate how hard it is to be a scream queen and to be like frightened in a compelling way. So whenever I see somebody like, yeah, Mia or Micah or Jenna Ortega, like they they jump out at me because I'm like, wow, I could watch you be terrified all day. <laughs> <laughs> I know that sounds fucked up, but like, it's really a credit to like, what a good actress you are. No, I mean, to be able to, to, when you're terrified, but also can be like credibly project strength in a film when you have to, like, uh, that's, it's really hard to do. And we both know this because we have watched all the horror movies. (laughs) So many. And like, listen, it's not like a misogynist thing. It's not like whenever anybody is like frightened for an entire film, after a while, you inevitably thinking, okay, bitch, calm down. Whether it's like a man or a woman. So to be able to remain watchable for the span of a scary movie is like, you're a compelling actress. Like you're, you have found levels in your performance when you're supposed to be scared the entire time that like make this very watchable. So it's a skill. It is a skill set and I appreciate it when it's done well. Um, yeah. So the black phone, I won't talk about too much cause I, I don't want to give away spoilers or anything. I'll just say that I was very interested in this film for so long. Like I was like texting Meredith about it. I feel like over a year, <laughs> like, It feels like I've been waiting so long for this film to come out because it had a really interesting backstory. Um, You know, like Stephen King's son wrote the short story and like the guy who directed it, Scott Derrickson, was the original director of Doctor Strange. And he got into like a big creative difference, even though he denies that. And Kevin Feige (laughs) denies it. The tea from the behind the scenes is that they got into a very big 
creative disagreement about um, Multiverse of Madness. So Scott Derrickson walked and this was like his next project he picked up because apparently, and I don't know if he's like gone into to details about it, but he had something very traumatic happen to him in his childhood. So when he found this short story, it really, he connected with the material. So it had this like a very interesting backstory. And then they got, you know, Ethan Hawke involved and he plays this like horrific child killer. <laughs> and like, so people were just basically like, what is this film going to be like? Because it's dealing with really heavy source material and it's a horror film. And like, how are they going to pull this off in a sensitive way or even like a compelling good way? And I've seen like some criticism of the film, but by and large, it seems like people are really, really uh, responding to it positively. I really enjoyed it. I thought Mason Thames, who is the protagonist in the film, he plays Finney, is spectacular like a really really good child actor and you know meredith i don't like child actors no this is the i think that was one of the things i told you because i had a, a friend who was at the premiere yeah. uh, Tribeca, who said the child actors were really good they were and, and i'm like a yeah. credit to the other um the other actors too like uh it's a lot of like voice work like other than his sister who's played by uh, madeline mcgraw who's getting a lot of praise i'll say that um for me, again, don't like to talk smack about children. It's For me, it was a very uneven performance. I thought when she was mm -hmm. good, she was fucking good. And when she was bad, I was like, this is bad. Um, Jeremy Davies plays their father, who if you are a fan of Lost, you're already a Jeremy Davies fan. He's amazing in every scene. Ethan Hawke is fucking terrifying. But yeah, the other kids like do a lot of voice work, and which is tough. Like Voice work is very hard, and I thought they did a really good job conveying emotion when they couldn't physically be on screen. And then there's there's a few legit scares in it. I wouldn't call it a scary film. It's more suspenseful. But when they did have jump scares, I was like, oh, that was done very well. So yeah. uh, that's also a recommendation from me. Oh, yay. I have a couple of things. They're yeah. actually two classic films that I want to shout out um, because it's that kind of it's been that kind of week for me. Yeah. Um, first off, uh, I don't, maybe I've already, even already talked about this. You can remind me if I didn't, if I have, um, Daughters of Darkness. Have Not I that I remember. This? Not that I remember. Okay. Uh, it is a 1971 lesbian vampire movie. <laughs> I would like to think I would remember that. If I forgot, uh, yeah. it's inexcusable. <laughs> yeah. So a young couple, uh, a British guy and a European woman, I don't know, Belgian, French, whatever. They're newlyweds. They've eloped and they're at a... Uh, off the, at a hotel during the off season on the coast of Belgium. And they're supposed to go visit this young man's mother. Uh, and he, for some reason, doesn't want them to, he, he's trying to avoid this. Uh, and then while they're there, they're the only guests in the hotel, a incredibly glamorous woman with, strangely enough, the name Elgibet Batori, other, you know, Right. Elizabeth Bathory sure. uh, and her young female companion show up at the hotel and then things get weird and sexual and gruesome. And right. the soundtrack is incredible. It was a collaboration between several different national, like European national films. It's just, it's ridiculous. The woman who plays the countess uh, was in, I believe last year at Marienbad, uh, which was a, a classic surrealist European movie from the late fifties. 
Um, this was 1971. The costumes are incredible. The German woman who plays the young companion is rightly a icon of goth culture. Um, it's, it's just so much fun. And the soundtrack is a thousand times better than it has any right to be. Like this was a, a, a fantastic gem that I'm ashamed I had never heard of before because like I try to see every lesbian vampire movie that comes along. Famously. Yeah. That's your but, brand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but this one I had missed it's on shutter right now. The other one, uh, because I just ended up catching it when I went over to visit my parents and my mother was watching it. A summer place also from the 1950s starring Sandra D and Troy Donahue. Oh, okay. It's just, it's absolute garbage melodrama. <laughs> absolute garbage. Like a man and a woman, he was a lifeguard and she was wealthy and they have an affair and then he le- like she leaves I and I so hope that was the marketing campaign. He's uh, a lifeguard, she's wealthy. Come on. Well then they they don't get together. They come they end up back on the summer island with their teenage children. Because the lifeguard has now become a millionaire and she like they're both unhappily married. So they start having an affair again as their children are falling in love. And of course, there is like illicit sex and teen pregnancy and all kinds of stuff. So it ended up being really relevant. But I could not stop screaming with laughter. The the drunk father of the son is always talking about how he's like, well, if you give me any more trouble, I'll have to send you to my alma mater boarding school <laughs> and he's always calling sandra d a wench oh like he only the lines are amazing getting called it's a wench just, now i feel like what is almost a compliment like if someone called me a wench now i'd be like thank you i mean i would Sweet. too but you know i i can recognize back then it was probably not meant to be nice sure not because, ideal like to yeah, have an older man I, scream it at you yeah it's it's like if you enjoy the, you know, Douglas Sirk melodramas or you enjoyed Carol or um, Far From Heaven, you know, Todd Haynes's takes on on that genre, it's worth revisiting because it's so silly. And it gave me a lot of comfort since I watched it the day after the Dobbs decision came out um, because I was like, OK, everything is bad, but things have been bad and this is like, okay, I can laugh about this stuff right now. Yeah. Um, Cause we're, we're it, about to go into the bad news section. So I'll just say like, guys, um, let people enjoy things, especially right now. Like, please, please know that we're thinking about bad shit all of the time and it's okay to find joy in the little things. And it doesn't mean you don't care. And you certainly shouldn't, um, tweet people your bitchy, bitchy thoughts about it. Like go for a walk, um, maybe find something you enjoy in your life. Um, chill yeah. out. We, we all care. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, everybody, yeah. here's your bad news. So on that note, let's talk about the Supreme Court, shall we? Um, as Just like a slew, an onslaught of terrible decisions have been handed down by the Supreme Court recently uh, in, a, in a way that we knew they would be doing. Like once uh, Trump was elected president and it was clear that he would be 
uh, responsible for appointments to the Supreme Court. We were all sort of like braced for this for a long time. Um, so let's start with the uh, the first story I wanted to get to, which of course is Roe v. Wade. Again, a decision that we have been anticipating for a while, but didn't make it any less horrific to Meredith texted me at like 10 a.m. Fuck, fuck, fuck. And I like instantly knew <laughs> I was like, God damn it. Um, Because you knew it was hap- it was coming, but you still have like a sliver of hope that maybe it won't. You know, <laughs> um, but of course it happened. And perhaps even like more distressingly than Roe v. Wade being uh, overturned, which is uh, a disaster in and of itself. Was it Thomas's decision where he it was, was based? Thomas's yeah. concurrence where he said, like, we should be reconsidering all of these other. He yeah. he basically said everything. He said uh, Obergefell, Griswold, and um, Lawrence. Lawrence, uh, right. So sodomy, gay marriage, and birth control. Right. Um, but he omitted uh, loving. Now, hmm. Meredith, why do you think that Clarence Thomas, who's married to a white woman, would have done that? I don't know. I think he's concerned about the legitimacy of his marriage to a white insurrectionist. Interesting. Interesting. And also, I saw that he had a decision that he doesn't want guns in courthouses. Now, why would uh, Clarence Thomas be OK with guns being pretty much anywhere else except where he works? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's almost like he doesn't. It's almost like these people don't actually care about the law. They just care about imposing uh, Christofascist doctrine onto everyone and punishing people they don't like because they are the only chosen ones. Can I just tell you that? OK, so like a bunch of decisions came down recently, obviously Roe v. Wade, but there was also uh, one that basically uh, obliterated the wall between religion and government that had to do with a dumb college <laughs> or a dumb football coach who wanted to pray <laughs> on a uh, public grounds of a public school. Uh, and the Supreme court was like, yeah, that's all right with us. Scalia asking a lawyer if the crucifix re- represents Christianity was one of the most breathtakingly stupid things I've ever heard said in the Supreme Court. Well, that was that happened a while ago because that was a separate right. case. It was just right, right. it was just brought up again, you know, this but and, and I mean even within this, like Gorsuch just straight up lied about what was happening. And I mean like I think Sotomayor's dissent just included a picture of what had been really going on. Um and like yeah so they did that. We're also dismantling the administrative state because now the EPA is not allowed right. to regulate carbon emissions. Yeah. Um, and uh, they've, uh, the Supreme Court also undermined tribal sovereignty in a case. And Miranda uh, so, rights. Yep, Miranda rights. Yeah. And next year, they've already said they're going to take up a case about the question of the, quote, the independent state legislatures, which would allow state legislatures into like, complete control over election laws within those states, which will fundamentally and utterly just stop us from being anything like we wouldn't be a democracy or a republic because at this that point it's a total on it's a full-on coup like we're watching we are watching a coup happening before our eyes that's the thing like understandably i understand why everybody is very fixated on the january 6th hearings because that was this spectacular sort of really botched mini coup attempt but 
the real coups happening in the Supreme Court, like it, it is happening. It's happening in like a very boring bureaucratic way that doesn't involve people rushing the Capitol. But it's like they are doing it. The, the, a coup is happening. <laughs> yeah. And and this is something that people have been saying, certainly activists who have been working on every single issue that has already seen massive uh losses this time around. These are things that have been predicted for years. And, you know, these very reasonable people, blah, blah, fuckheads have been saying that it was an overreaction. Truly, they believe right. in the rule of law. We have to trust the system. Like institutionalism is a cancer at the moment and needs to be completely and totally abandoned because people are going to die. People are going to suffer. Uh, and these things, like it is, you as if you can connect the dots from A to B, there's no reason to sit around waiting for it to happen before you do something. I mean, it is hap like we're already hearing from, you know, workers from abortion clinics and like, this is already having horrible ramifications. It's that is leading to people dying right now. But, um, I just like, when are liberals going to stop being constantly amazed by any time conservatives lie? Because like the first thing I saw on Twitter was many, many people on the left retweeting Clarence Thomas and others during when they were being, you know, having their own hearing before they were appointed to the Supreme Court saying that they would never allow their personal biases to uh, influenced them to overturn Roe v. Wade and they respected precedent and people were like, oh my God, how could they lie? And it's like, because they lie all the time. Yeah. Well, the more important quote from Clarence Thomas was the one, and I forget what the source of like where it came from, but he was quoted as saying like, the liberals made my life hell for 43 years. I'm going to make their life hell for 43 years. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's what's going on. Yeah. And I realize that now when I see Amy Coney Barrett, all I can think of is when Roddy Piper puts on his glasses in They Live, the skeleton aliens. Like, I think that I just like want to see what ha what kind of creature is underneath her skin, because it looks like someone <laughs> put a skin suit on her. And that's why she's always smiling creepily like that. Meredith, that sounds like a good premise for a screenplay. <laughs> I know. I, I I think like the Supreme Court justices are all different kinds of monsters. <gasps> uh, I would watch. I would watch. Suits. Like, yeah, but it's a little too on the nose that's and true. kind of rips off a joke that The Daily Show made in like 2000. So, yeah, but that's know. all writing is just ripping off other people. Oh, uh, I did hear that. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> so. I don't know. Did you have anything else? Uh, obviously, I wanted to say, like, you know, abortion pills are still legal. You can still buy them online. They're like a hundred bucks, I think. Yeah. Um, please don't. Oh, one, yeah. Please don't buy them and hoard them because I saw some people saying, like, you know, they do keep up for two years. And like, I guess if you're in a position where you think like you could be useful, but I, I'm afraid of people buying them and just like hoarding them and not being active and communicating with people who might need them. Like, don't mm -hmm. do that. Um, if anything, your funds should go towards um, an abortion fund. You know, uh, Planned Parenthood has enough money. Don't give to them. But, you know, you can find lists online of your state's abortion funds. 
Yeah. And I think like another thing that it's important to recognize, and it's something that I have struggled with because I live in a state where once the decision came out now, an 1849 law uh, that criminalizes abortion is currently what is the is the reason why abortions are illegal in Wisconsin. Right. Wisconsin became a state in 1848. <laughs> so. As you can imagine, this is a bit of an issue. The governor has already said that he will he will give clemency, like pardon, like that he will make sure that anyone who is charged or prosecuted with providing abortions or however people end up getting charged for this, um, that he will step in. The attorney, the state attorney general has already said that he's going to challenge the law because uh, to basically because it's archaic. Um, so the. I'm heartened by the response here. Also, Evers did immediately try to codify, you know, to get that law overturned. He has been standing up and actually doing the work. It's just unfortunate that the Republicans have such massive control of everything because of the catastrophic gerrymandering that is almost certain to become so perfectly legal when the Voting Rights Act stuff comes to the Supreme Court next year as well. Um, so they've been they've been doing actually been doing stuff, which is nice. Uh, the, but I have been struggling mightily with places like providers changing their policies because of fear of prosecution, of fear of these legal pitfalls, um, because of the cross state question. Um, where out of fear, I think it's the Planned Parenthood of Montana saying that they will no longer provide medication abortion for people from out of state. Right. I and my initial reaction was very much like this is deeply cowardly. And while I'm pissed about it, it's easy to forget that the people who are doing this are not making that choice because they don't want to be bothered. It's because like the the dangers to them are not just legal like right and i i had to really like think about that when a friend of mine posted so who does reproductive justice work made the comment that like to the people needed to take a second there and i think it's just a really important point because it's not it's easy to think about the people who work at Planned Parenthood and who are shitty and getting paid enormous amounts of money and then have let things who have been a part of the party structure, the power structure for a long time and not actually like shoring up what needed, leaving the work to the abortion funds and reproductive justice activists in the States, you know, not, not giving the support they should have up until now. Um, the people who are working in those clinics are not the same. No, and, and like, like I, you know, that's really an important distinction because, like, I go to Planned Parenthood. That's like my my primary doctor for reproductive health stuff. So, like, I have only had good experiences with Planned Parenthood. Like, the staff and the doctors are worked so hard, and they're just like trying to do the best they can do every day. Yes. And it is like true thankless work. So, all the respect and praise to them. But yeah, like the the national level of Planned Parenthood, it's like the problems you see with Red Cross, you know, like mm-hmm. 
there are executives who make a shit ton of money in Planned Parenthood. And it's like, is this the best use of these donations? And the answer to that is no. Um, the people in the clinic should probably be paid way more money. Um, but yeah, that is, that's an important distinction. I feel like the people on the ground with Planned Parenthood every day are that um, the moral puzzle, you know, of the the train tracks that split off and like, you know, the trolley problem, the trolley problem. Right. Uh, I feel like every day that's like <laughs> what people on the ground with Planned Parenthood are trying to do where it's just like, well, either option is bad, but which option will result in us hurting the least people and allow us to keep doing the work that we want to keep doing. And clinics have been bombed not that long ago. I mean, people are still firebombing reproductive health clinics. This is not, you know, so I, I just like, that's also something I just, because I felt really, I just felt really weird about it. And I, I think like it was useful to change that perspective, like to force myself to change that perspective a little bit, because we do need to have more, uh, like, People are they're put they've been putting their lives at risk um, for their entire careers. And the issues are not like they're not the problem. The problem is med schools that uh, don't offer um, a, like training in abortion care because they are funded. You know, they're worried about losing their funding or they're worried about somebody protesting because like there's an anti-abortion doctor going through their training program or, mm -hmm. you know, the fact that so many like so much so fucking much of our healthcare system is run by the Catholic goddamn church. Yeah. And the American council of bishops, which is so like is crazier than so many other Catholic <laughs> councils of bishops around mm -hmm. the, around the world. Like they are on the scary side of the Vatican in many ways. Um, so there are like, there are problems that uh, like it's institutional rot that has created this and has put the danger and the sacrifice into the like onto the backs of the people who are trying their best to provide care to people who desperately need it and um we saw that shift during covid and or we mm -hmm. saw it exposed during covid so right. um we yeah i don't even have a way to sum that up or well i guess nice what i'll bit. what i'll just say is like to sort of cap off this segment um i think an important thing to remember I, I think at this point like people are always like how can we you know change the mind of conservatives and i'm like i don't know i like honestly if you can change a conservative's mind on abortion good on you um but i guess if you're feeling feisty you could just ask a conservative like uh would you rather somebody get an abortion or have a same-sex couple adopt the baby and just watch their head explode that's a fun mm -hmm. thing to ask but if you don't want to do that to just remind yourself and others that nothing will stop abortion. Abortion will always happen because um, abortions have always happened, right? Um, all, all this will do is jeopardize the life of the pregnant person. That's all this does. So abortions are going to keep happening. And it's sort of like, how can we do it in the safest way possible so a bunch of people don't die? And that's yeah. really what this is. Like, they will never, ever, ever, ever stop abortion. Right. So, on that note, everybody, here's your good news.
Well, speaking of the Supreme Court, Judge uh, Ketanji Brown Jackson was sworn in um, yesterday, I believe, and is the first black female justice of the Supreme Court, which I'm putting in the good news section, without acknowledging anything else about the Supreme Court structure or if this will ultimately have a positive impact on the court. It is a historical event, a positive step. So I'm putting it in the good news section. I like that every good news item I put in now, I'm like in a fight with a pretend opponent where I'm like, it is good news and here's why. <laughs> but uh, yeah. If if good the good news section has to be, it's good if you don't think about the context or yes. a bad <laughs> thing happened to somebody who sucks. Which, I mean, this is such like Twitter logic, right? Where I feel like anytime you post anything good, somebody appears in your comment like, well, here's why it's actually not good news. And you could do that <laughs> with anything. Anything, guys. Any positive thing that you think is positive, there is somebody on Twitter who will come into your comments to be like, actually, it's problematic. And here's why. And they might not be wrong, but it is also important to remember that we have to celebrate victories when we get them because we so rarely get them. (laughs) (laughs) So the fact that we have our first black female justice of the Supreme Court is good news. Just look at that little kernel and be like, this was a good thing that happened. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very shades of that Onion headline, uh, Black Man Gets World's Worst Job. Oh, my God. Yeah, completely. And that's like, if you put it into, like, even a slightly broader context, it's like, this woman is just, like, entering a complete shitstorm. But, you know, like, in, in it was a victory when we got our first Black president, right? Um, and then he went on to... Um, do a bunch of drone strikes, right? But mm-hmm. <laughs> it was still historically significant and a victory and a movement towards progress, which, oh my God, in 2022 in the United States, we desperately need. So it is good that we have our first female Black Supreme Court justice. Good news section. Yes. And good luck, Judge Brown Jackson, because, oh my God, talk about a job I would never, ever, ever want to have. <laughs> The amount of stupidity that this woman is about to overhear is just breathtaking. Woof. Um, uh, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a tough one. Yeah. So the other good news, potentially good news, although I would say like even the fact that this is a potential uh, outcome is good news. But you sent me this story, so I don't want to hijack it too much, about Emmett Till and this discovered unserved arrest warrant, which just like for historical significance is fascinating. Yeah. So uh, the family of Emmett Till had been going through boxes of records in Mississippi uh, and discovered a arrest warrant for the woman who told someone that who was essentially who is responsible for the death of Emmett Till. Right. Because she claimed that he had whistled at her and tried to grab her. Um, Now, yes, there are questions about whether it's something that they could actually use. The family is calling for it to be honored and to arrest the woman who I think is now living in North Carolina and is in her 80s. But at the same time, if we can send the Nazis back to Germany when we find them in Ohio at 90 years old, we can do this. Um, And... Of course, the states say, well, you know, it just didn't get executed. And then it ended up in a box. And 
just sat there. I'm like, shocking. Absolutely shocking. Uh, but I do think that it's, it's a fascinating story when it comes to history. Also, as a, a story of history, like what we think of as history being very much still a part of our day-to-day lives. Like, there are ways to find, like, to hold people accountable um, for violence and for uh, misery that they caused even now. Yeah, Um, and just the thing that I like to remind people is that Emmett Till was 14 and Carolyn Bryant, the white woman who accused him, was 20. So just a fun reminder that he was a child. um, Mm -hmm. And... Yeah, I was surprised to learn that warrants don't expire, but it kind of does make sense. Like you either execute a warrant or you don't. Yeah. Well, and and think about it. Like how often do people get, you know, picked up and then said like how many how many black people have been killed by police because someone runs their name Right. During a traffic stop, discovers an outstanding warrant, and suddenly they just decide to murder them. Right, right. Um, so I'm putting this in the good news section. If only, like, let's just make Carolyn Bryant synonymous with, as I described her very articulately to Meredith, a cunt. And if there was anyone who deserves that name, <laughs> it is yeah. Carolyn Bryant, you bitch. Yeah. And I will, you know, I'm just going to say, I don't care if you're 90, if you are responsible for the death of a child, you don't get to like, I don't care how many grandchildren you have. No, I don't care. You are still bad. Yeah, I don't care. It's like you, you were never held accountable. I don't care how sorry you are now. I actually don't know. Like she has made statements about it before, right? Where she was like, she expressed some remorse. I don't know. I don't care. Um, Should absolutely go to jail. (laughs) Like if we're going to have jails, Carolyn Bryant belongs there. So let's do it. I don't know if any, again, I don't know if anything will happen, but the fact that it's a remote possibility, I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And then the other thing that I had was, so as of today, the state of Minnesota has legalized THC edibles and beverages made from hemp. This is so Uh, funny. Before you get to like the funny (laughs) twist of this story, when you sent it to me, I'm like, this is amazing. I love this. Yeah. So uh, this is so this was part of an omnibus bill that was passed before the end of the last session. And uh, it was, you know, it was proposed by a member of the DFL, the Democratic Farmer Labor Party of Minnesota, which controls the House side of uh, the legislature in Minnesota. The Senate is Republican controlled and the governor is a Democrat. So. A member of the DFL was like, oh, well, this is, you know, it was a Delta 8 related question, but regulation, they did this. They passed the bill. One of the people who voted for it didn't real, like, apparently voted for it because he thought it only, (laughs) he thought it only applied to Delta 8 stuff, Uh but didn't read it closely or didn't read it at all. And so said, yes, so now you can have edibles and you can you can get marijuana in a certain forms in minnesota uh and he's he's like wait no i want to bring it up again so i can vote against it like we need to undo this <laughs> sorry and both, both the democratic leadership of the house and this the governor have said 
Yeah, no. No, buddy, you got to read the fine print. So here's my takeaway from this story. We always hear about nefarious items getting snuck into omnibus bills because they're so huge and it's like, Unless you have a staff and they working. count on somebody missing it. Right, exactly. And like, even if you are a representative who has a huge staff who can go through, like they could still miss something, right? So we hear about items getting snuck in, bad items all the time. Why don't we just start to sneak in good shit or like cool shit too, where it's like, here's a bill, um, you know, about pharmaceutical companies and also cancel all student debt. And it's just like in tiny print at the bottom of page 72. And if they don't see it, Oops, they don't see it. And I just, I'm just so pleased. I mean, largely because obviously I live in the bad state, but Minnesota, big border with the state of Wisconsin, Illinois, big border with the state of Wisconsin, both are places where abortion is legal and you can get weed. Doesn't solve things, but man. (laughs) Man, THC is so weird because like... (sighs) Like, yeah, brands and like legislators don't know how to handle it yet. And there's so many rules and regulations about what you can use in advertising and stuff like because obviously part of the appeal of THC is that it can like help you sleep and like help with like if you have old injuries and you're in pain. But there's so many rules about what you can claim because Mm -hmm. the truth is like we don't really know. And also like it doesn't affect everybody the same way so like you can't make certain claims in advertising it's it's a weird interesting gray area (laughs) and also obviously legislatures don't like why would you oppose anything that could help the economy you know absolutely i mean this is the and and it's it's good like also in a, a state that relies on agriculture so much this it should be a no brainer. You're, you know, creating opportunities for, uh, like new crops, but I am pretty excited that, uh, this dude just didn't, uh, just didn't even know. And I'm so like, okay, funny. I mean, that's, uh, that's good. You know, as a, I, I would say Republicans should follow his example and read less yeah please don't read any of the bills you know like just let progressives um present omnibus packages and and don't read anything don't worry about it you know we already know that they don't read any of the bills that come uh that come to them from alec because they're just Just passing all of those anytime they want to photocopied (laughs) bills from alec headquarters yeah just like submit this it's still got like it's on their um they're uh oh my god <laughs> just what happened fake letterhead oh yeah 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 yeah. that that is the word i was looking for a letterhead um guys on that note we are out of time please follow meredith on the socials at meredith l clark anything else you wanted to promote other than the glorious day of your birth just do something deviant tomorrow yeah. in my honor i think yeah. that would really make me happy and tell us about it if you it's like i mean Questions about legal culpability aside, tell us about what deviant stuff you got up to. Deviant, like, let's say, like, indulgent deviant behavior in which nobody is hurt and um, you could not go to jail for it. Right. I want to know all about the be gay part of be gay do crimes. There you go. Be super gay today on uh, and honor Meredith. And yeah, follow her 
on social media for her birthday. Wish her a happy birthday if you're so inclined. And on that note, everybody, oh, you can follow me too at Allison Kilkenny. I'm the host <laughs> of the show. Hi. If you like the show, you can go to lighttreason.news and donate to the show. That'd be nice. Or my Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. And while you're at it, get out there and be super gay for Meredith. <laughs>